Thanks for joining us for another great message from Influences Church Australia. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, blesses you and brings you joy. For more information about our church, go online to influences.church. And now for our message. Just have a word that God put on my heart for today and just believe it's something that the Holy Spirit wanted to encourage us with today. I don't know if, um, if you ever do this, but this happens more often than I would like to admit. But sometimes when I'm driving my car, I start to think about the things that I have to do that day or I'm thinking about a meeting I've got or an email I have to write or, you know, I'm just deep in thought and I end up sort of meandering in the totally wrong direction. And I'm like, how did I end up here? Uh, I know that sounds a bit scary, but it's all good. You're safe on the roads out there. But sometimes, for example, when I come out of my suburb, there's a T-junction um, that either turn left to take my kids to school or I turn right to go to work. And the other day I had my kids in the car and I was taking them to school and I got to that T-junction, but I was thinking about something I had to do at work that day and I was really deep in thought. And instead of going left to school, I went right to work. And we get there about halfway down the street and my daughter nudges me and she goes, hey, where are you going? And I'm like, oh, no, nah, I just wanted to go that way today. You know, it's just a little bit different. But uh, she knows the truth. <laughs> it's funny how sometimes you just get distracted. You end up heading in the wrong direction. My parents, they moved home probably about 18 months or so ago and they moved into a new place just a few streets away from their old house. And no word of a lie for about the first six months, um, I, when I would go into their home, I would go down the old street to head to their old house instead of going to the new one because I was just, I knew where I was and I was just deep in thought. And it was like I put the autopilot on and just ended up in the wrong place before my wife nudged me and said, hey, where are you going? I'd be like, oh yeah, they're in the new house now. <laughs> Have you ever done that? That's good. I'm not alone. That's fantastic. I feel more secure. It's funny how little distractions, our mind can wander. We can get fixated on something else and it just fractures our focus. I was watching a YouTube video the other day, just popped up on my feed, and I don't know if you've ever seen on some of those late night uh, talk, talk shows, so those American late night talk shows, and they'll have a, the host on there, and they'll have a guest come on the show, and on occasion, they'll play a game with the guest. And on this particular talk show, they played a game called Dodge Basketball. And basically, the idea was that you would have 30 seconds to take as many free throws as you could, and see how many could get in while there were kids lined up either side of the basketball court just like pummeling you with uh, dodgeballs, right? And on this particular night, the guest happened to be a professional basketball player. He played for the NBA. Some of you might know him as Darius Garland, right? And he gets paid millions of dollars to play basketball. He's like one of the best in the world. And what was amazing was when it got to his turn, you're thinking, you know, he's going to destroy this. This is going to be easy for him. And he takes about 15 shots in about that 30 seconds and he only gets two of them in. And you're like, how's that possible? I mean, like, you're the, one of the best at the world at doing this. You know, it's not, it's obviously, that you're obviously gifted. You've got the right mechanics. You get paid millions of dollars to do this. And so it wasn't any of those things. It was simply because he had so much coming at him that it just fractured his focus. And it was just enough to put him off that he couldn't hit the target. You know, I think sometimes the same thing can happen to us when it comes to what Jesus Christ has asked us to focus on. In Matthew 28, 19 to 20, the mission Jesus gave us was this. 
He said to go and make disciples of all the nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Jesus told us that the focus of our life is to seek and save the lost, to share with them the good news of Jesus Christ, not to just keep it to ourselves because it's too good, but to live our lives in a way where others can know the love and grace of Jesus and that He came that they might have life and life abundant too. And I just felt the Holy Spirit today. He just wanted to nudge us a little bit and say, hey, where are you going? Because I know over the last few years, there's been an awful lot of things to distract us. There's been all sorts of things that we've been dealing with, whether it's pandemics, whether it's you know, interest rates rising, the price of cost of living, petrol prices, politics, things going on around the world, social media, media scare campaigns. There's all sorts of stuff that's been coming at us and it's easily to get caught up and distracted by those things. But it's so important that we don't allow those things to distract us from what's most important. And that is sharing the good news of Jesus. Because people's eternities depend upon it. I want to look at a passage of Scripture this morning. It's one that gets talked about a lot, but I wonder if sometimes we slightly miss the main point of it. The passage of Scripture I want to look at today is Acts chapter 16. It's the story of Paul and Silas in prison. If you're unfamiliar with who Paul and Silas are, Paul was an apostle. Uh, a disciple of Jesus Christ and Silas was his companion. And they were going around and they were sharing about Jesus Christ to whoever would listen. And they end up in prison. And this is their story in Acts chapter 16. We pick it up in verse 22. It says, The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. And the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken and At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and he saw that the prison doors were open. He drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. You know, this passage of Scripture is one, if you've been in church for a while, I'm sure you would have heard it talked around before. You'd probably be very familiar with it. And it's this amazing story of two disciples, as we said, Paul and Silas, who, are, who end up in prison for no fault of their own. They're just trying to do the work of the kingdom. And in the midst of that scary situation, in the midst of that uncertainty of not knowing what was going to happen to them, perhaps possible death, at the stroke of midnight, they begin to start praising God. As they praise God, as they lift their voices up to Him, suddenly an earthquake comes breaks off their chains, flings open the doors, and they're miraculously set free. And for as long as I can remember, I've heard many sermons on this passage, and as I'm sure you have as well, 
And the majority of them have been focused on the miracle that took place as a product of their praise. Encouraging us that praise is the catalyst to breakthrough. That praise sets you free. That praise has the ability to arrest the attention of heaven and produce miraculous results. And I believe that. I believe that praise is powerful. I believe that praise should never leave our lips. I believe that God is worthy to be praised and greatly should He be praised. You know, there was an old song we used to sing. It's like, when I think about the good Lord and what He's done for me, when I think about the good Lord and how He set me free, I wanna dance, 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 dance. All night, all night. Oh my goodness, you guys are too young. All night, all night. That's how I think it should be. When we think about how good He's been to us, how can you not praise Him? So understand why. Brilliant, Pastor Joseph. That's hilarious. So understand why this miracle would grab our attention because it's amazing. It's amazing. But when we read that Paul and Silas were praising God at midnight, I don't think they were doing it because they believed that it would lead to a miracle to set them free. I know we read it that way because we know what happens, but they didn't know that was going to happen. They weren't praising God thinking, hey, if we praise God, He'll send an earthquake, our chains will break off and we'll be free. I don't believe they were praising God for a miracle. I believe they were praising God because they'd already received a miracle. They'd already received the miracle of salvation and everlasting life. And they knew, hey, it doesn't matter how dire our situation gets. It doesn't matter even if we're in a prison facing possible death, that nothing and no one can take that miracle away. And when you get a revelation of that, it doesn't matter what happens, you always have a reason to praise. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, it says, Rejoice always, pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. His will, His desire is to bless your life so abundantly so that you can always have a reason to praise. He's such a good God. There's always a reason, no matter what you go through, to praise. But as wonderful as that miracle of them being set free from prison is, I'm not sure that's actually supposed to be the most important focus of the story. Instead, I want to suggest something else to you today. I want to suggest that while we have been focused on that miracle, we may have actually missed an even more important one. You see, the book of Acts is sometimes referred to, and maybe in your Bible as well, if you have a New Living Translation, it might be titled the Acts of the Apostles. But I actually wish they'd changed it a little bit and titled it the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Because that's actually what the book is about. Like Luke wrote the book, not just to give us an historical account of what happened in the first century church, but he wrote it to encourage us of how passionate the Holy Spirit is to reach the lost and how He can use us in any and every situation to do just that. 
Remember, that's the ultimate reason why Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit. In Acts 1 verse 8, Jesus has a conversation with his disciples before he descends, talking to them about sending the Holy Spirit, telling them to wait for him to come. And he says this in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I love how the Living Bible translation says it. it, makes it super clear for us. It says it this way, but when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power to testify about me with great effect to the people in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth about my death and resurrection. Church, there are so many blessings that come with the gift of the Holy Spirit. But make no mistake about it, the number one is to empower you and I to be effective witnesses for Jesus Christ in both word and action. You see, in this story, we've often focused on the actions of the apostles, Paul and Silas. But the book of Acts, as we said, isn't so much about the acts of the apostles as it is about the acts of the Holy Spirit. And if you look a little deeper, you will find that the Holy Spirit was actually up to something more. I would suggest something even greater. So let's look at this, Acts chapter 16, verse 27. Let's read on in the story. It says, the jailer woke up and he saw the prison doors open. He drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He brought them out and he asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the, Lord, the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in the house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptised. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. Church, here's the thing. We have been focused on Paul and Silas being set free from a cell, whereas the Holy Spirit has been focused on a family being set free from hell. And I wanna ask you, which one of those miracles do you think heaven celebrated the most? You see, we thought the story was about praise. And that's awesome. And I don't wanna take away from that, but it's actually about salvation. It's not a story about Paul and Silas. It's a testimony about a family who came to find Jesus Christ in a dark place. You see, church, I don't think Paul and Silas ended up there by accident. I don't think it was a random set of circumstances. I don't think it just occurred because, you know, some bad people treated them in a wrong way. I actually think they ended up there because the Holy Spirit needed them there. I mean, think about it. The Holy Spirit could have intervened in their situation at any time before that. He could have got them out of that situation way before they got to prison. If He had the power to send an earthquake to break their chains and fling doors open and set them free, He could have set them free way before they even got in that situation, but He didn't. Why? 
because he had a jailer and family's eternity in mind. See, God loved that jailer and his family enough to allow Paul and Silas to be placed in what looked like a bad situation. And here's the thing, church. Thankfully, Paul and Silas's faith in God wasn't dependent upon their situation. See, they didn't just switch off their passion because they didn't seem to be in favour. Felt like things weren't going their way. Their praise and their worship to God wasn't dependent upon their situation. It's easy to praise God when things are going great. It's easy to stay strong, keep believing in God when things are going your way. But what happens when it doesn't look like that's happening? See, they could have got upset with God. They could have got angry with God. They go, God, how did you let us get in this situation? We were just doing your work. We were just sharing the good news with people. Like, I didn't expect this to happen. You know, it's so easy to get focused on what you think God hasn't done and forget what He has done. (laughs) See, when you recognise what He has done, there's always a reason to praise. There's always a reason to thank Him to tell him how awesome he is. They could have got angry. They could have got upset. They could have blamed God for what happened to them, but they didn't. And because of that, you know what they came to find out? They came to discover that sometimes the greatest witness we have to those around us is how differently we respond to what life throws at us. Sometimes our greatest witness is how do we respond to the challenges of life when those around us are watching us? See, can I encourage you, maybe like Paul and Silas did, you find yourself in a situation right now that that isn't that great. In a situation you didn't have in mind, maybe ended up in a place that you didn't thought you would. And maybe there's been moments where you've been upset with God or angry or disappointed. Maybe even asked why. Why me, God? I was just doing what you asked me to do and ended up this ended up happening to me. But what if, like Paul and Silas, the Holy Spirit's actually up to something? What if He has you there because there's someone He needs you to reach? What if what looks like a bad situation is actually a place of your greatest miracle? Because here's what I've learned. When it comes to God, there's never any wasted seasons, just missed opportunities. No matter where you are, God, God is always there. He's always up to something. It's just whether I'll be tuned in to knowing what He's up to. See, I wonder how many opportunities we've missed for our lives to be a witness to those around us because we've got caught up complaining to God about what's happening to us instead of continuing to praise Him for what He's done to us. What if the situation you're in right now has actually positioned you in a place of your greatest opportunity 
to make a difference in the lives of those around you if you will just choose to respond to it in the right way. I came across, across a competition the other day, um, really weird, uh, but it was cool as well at the same time. The competition was to win a car. And the way you won the car, there was about 30 people competing in it, is you had to put your hand on the car. And the last person to have their hand remaining on the car won the car. So you'd think maybe this would go on for a couple of hours. It went on for days. For days, people kept their hand on that car and couldn't take it off. They had to have one part, their hand on that car at all times. If it lifted off for a moment, they were out. They had to work out how to sleep or not sleep, how to eat, how to do whatever other stuff we have to do to keep their hand on that car for as long as possible. For days it went on and finally someone won that car. And I thought about, you know, in your right mind, you would never do that. But when there's a possibility of a prize on the end, it's amazing what we will endure. You know, if I I told you right now to get up and run around, cluck like a chicken around this place, you'd be like, no way I'm doing that, except for a couple over there. But... But if I told you, wow, there's a possibility of winning a million dollars, we'd all be like, let's go. We'd be clucking like crazy around this place, right? Because it's amazing what we would do when there's a possibility of a reward on the end of it. You know, when I think about that, I, I can't think of a greater reward than to be used by God to make a difference in somebody else's life can't think of a greater reward than than to be used by God to see someone's eternity changed forever. And I know sometimes it might mean us having to find ourselves in some tough situations or enduring some difficult challenges like Paul and Silas did. But when you know the possibility of what it could lead to, isn't it worth it? Perhaps the keys can enjoy me. So the question is, where do we begin? Because I'm sure we all want our lives to be an effective witness for Jesus, don't we? We all want to be used by the Holy Spirit to be a powerful witness to other people, to see our friends and our family and our close ones come to Jesus. You know, we talked about Paul and Silas being in jail, but we haven't shared how they got there. Earlier in the chapter, it tells us that one day Paul and Silas were on their way to the place of prayer. As they're going on the way to the place of prayer, it says that this slave, this female slave uh, attaches herself to them. For some reason, she's like, I'm going to hang around these guys. And she, the Bible tells us that she had this, this gift, this demonic gift of being able to tell the future. And that she would make a lot of money for her master as he would use her to be able to do that. And this female slave decides to attach herself to, to Paul and Silas and follow them around. And as she's following them around, she would shout out loud, these men are servants of the Most High God. 
who were telling you the way to be saved. And she just kept doing it for numbers of days. Everywhere they went, every place they went into, she'd yell out the top of the voice, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. And as I said, it went on for a few days until finally Paul had had enough. The Bible says he got so annoyed, he turned around and he said to the lady, in the name of Jesus, I command you to come out of her. It says in that moment, the Spirit left her and she stopped yelling out. Now, a couple of things I want us to observe. First of all, notice that, that Paul allowed it to go on for a few days before he put a stop to it. I wonder if that's because what she was saying wasn't necessarily wrong. They were servants of the Most High God and they were telling people the way to be saved. And so she wasn't necessarily saying something that wasn't true. So you could think maybe it wasn't really a bad thing. But then there came a point where they realised that they couldn't let it go on any longer and they had to stop it. The question I wanna ask is why? What changed? Were they just fed up with her? Were they just too annoyed by her? Or was there something else? You see, I wonder if maybe Paul and Silas looked at each other and said, you know what? I'm not sure that this is too healthy. I mean, everywhere we go, every place we step into, this lady starts yelling out, you know, these are servants of the Most High God. They're telling you the way to the Lord. It's like they're, like they're announcing us like we're some big celebrities or some royalty. We're coming in. You need to listen to these guys. These guys are important. These guys are special. They've got a, a word for you. You need to listen to it. And so all the attention was on them. And they're like, hang on a second. We're not the ones who are special. God's the one who's special. We don't need people to think that we're amazing. We need people to think that God is amazing. They said, we can't let this go on. We need to stop this. Now, if they had a self-righteous attitude, if they thought that they were better than everybody else, then probably say, hey, keep doing it. This is awesome. But that wasn't their heart. That wasn't their heart at all. And so when Paul saw the potential for people to wanna praise them instead of praising God, he shut it down real quick. And as a result of that, this is what it said happened in Acts chapter 16, verse 19. It says, when our owners realised that their hope of making money was gone because Paul would rebuke the spirit out of her, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept this practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. And after they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. Here's what I want you to notice. The reason why Paul and Silas found themselves in that prison, but in the middle of two amazing miracles, one where they were physically set free and one where a family was spiritually set free is because they walked with a humble heart. Because they were humble before the Lord. See, if you're a follower of Jesus and you desire to be used by the Holy Spirit to set people free, the only qualification is humility. 
saying, God, here I am. I don't have it all together. I don't know the answer, but I'm, I'm available. I humble my heart before you. You know, Moses, probably one of the most famous leaders in all the Bible, the Old Testament, God used him to set millions of people free from the bondage of their enemy. And God didn't pick Moses because he was the most talented or the most gifted or the most confident or the most charismatic or the most experienced. You know why God was able to use him to set people free? It's because he was the most humble. In fact, it says this in Numbers 12 verse three. Now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. God's just looking for those who are willing to humble themselves. In one of my favourite verses and also the most challenging is Romans 12 verse 1. It says, In light of all this, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice to God, holy and pleasing to Him because this is your true and proper worship. The, The way we have to respond to what Jesus has done for us is to say, God, I thank You that You gave up all for me. And in response, I, I, I give my whole self to You. I don't have it all together. I don't have all the answers. I don't, but, I, but I'm here and I submit humbly to You. I give my life over to You and do whatever You can do. Help me to reach those around me. You know, when we think about it, because Jesus was willing to humble Himself, we've all been set free. If we would just be willing to humble ourselves, maybe we could help some people get set free too. You know, there's a lot of um, books and videotapes. And videotapes, that's real old. There's a lot of uh, <laughs> videos you can watch and stuff like that. I'm sure there's some out there. They're still out there. You know, things that you could read and and teaching you could listen to about how to live a fruitful life, how to be a great leader, how to follow the calling of God upon your life, how to be impactful for the kingdom and all that stuff. And I'm not diminishing any of that. I think it's it's fantastic. It's great teaching out there. And sometimes they'll say, you know, follow these 10 steps or do this thing or whatever. But can I make it really simple? How to live a fruitful, impactful life, how to reach people for Jesus. I'll do it in three words. Listen and obey. Listen and obey. Is it that simple? Yeah. We, we overcomplicate things so much. Whenever Moses listened to the voice of God and just did what God asked him to do, guess what? Great things happened. The only time he got in trouble is when he didn't do that. He either didn't listen or he didn't obey. If we just take time to listen, listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and then be willing to activate our faith and be obedient to what He asks us to do. It is amazing the impact your life can make. But it's so easy to get distracted, isn't it? It's so easy to get caught up in the things of life and and get off track and, and forget what the main purpose of our life is, to share the good news of Jesus Christ with those around us to see them come to know His love and grace like we do each and every day. And I just felt the Holy Spirit just wanting to nudge us today to say, where are you going?
Maybe you've got a little bit off track. Maybe you've lost your focus a little bit. He's saying, come on, let's get back on track. Because there's people still to be won. There's souls still to be saved. There's eternities still to be turned around for the Kingdom of God. And we carry the good news inside of us, amen. I pray this sermon has blessed you, encouraged you and inspired you. You know, we may never have met, I may not know you, but God knows you. And I'll tell you today, God loves you. That even before you knew about Him, He loved you. And He has a plan and a purpose for your life. You know, so many of us do life on our own, trying to lead our life in a way that finds answers and finds the peace and finds the joy we're looking for, but we come up short. But God knew that you needed rescuing, that you needed saving, that you needed His love. So He sent His Son Jesus to come and pay the price for our mistakes. He lived a perfect life, but knowing we couldn't, He said, I will take their place. So He died and rose again so that His death could pay the penalty for my mistakes in my past and His life could make a way so that I could have life. I believe that when you believe in what Jesus did and when you invite Him to be Lord of your life, you can experience forgiveness, peace, hope, joy, purpose and life like you've never known before. It's not about what we've done or who we're not. It's about that we have a God who's good, who can turn things for good and loves you. He's a father, he's a friend, and you can invite him into your life today by simply saying this prayer after me. I'm gonna say this prayer and wherever you are, wherever you're watching around the world, pray this prayer with me. Maybe you once knew God and you walked away. You know what, maybe he's getting your attention today to say, come back into relationship with me. Maybe you've known religion, but never a real genuine relationship with God. Why don't you say this prayer too? And I believe this can be the beginning of a great new day. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for loving me and giving your life for me. I pray you forgive me for my past and you walk with me into my tomorrow. Let me know your grace, your forgiveness, your peace, your purpose, your joy and your hope into my life. I ask you to lead me and guide me from this day forward. Be Lord of who I am in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer today. I believe that as you did, the peace, the grace, and the love of God comes into your life. You know what? The past is real, but it doesn't have to dictate your future. Let the love, the grace, and the Word of God go with you from this day forward, and I believe the best days are ahead for you. If you prayed this prayer or you want to know more, maybe you're on the journey, why don't you flick us an email so we can send you some material about following Jesus. We can maybe connect you with a local church near you that you can do life with, get good people around you, and we would love to pray with you. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer. I'm so glad you're on the journey of following Jesus. I'm so glad you listened today. God bless.